Get ready to rumble. Shilling Show Unleashed on the Seven Thunders Media Network. Former city councilor, husband, father, and community watchdog. Your host, Rob Schilling. Welcome to the Schilling Show Unleashed podcast. Remember, your direct support makes our show possible, and you can directly support this podcast by visiting shillingshow.com and then clicking on the Patreon banner at the top of the page to make a monthly contribution. We appreciate your support. The Shilling Show Unleashed podcast welcomes Nina May, a writer, producer, and director at Renaissance Women Productions and an observer of January 6th. She was there. Today's topic, the truth about January 6th. And Nina May, thank you for joining us today on the Shilling Show Unleashed podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I want to go back to this date because a lot of people don't remember. They've only seen the shaping by the media and this narrative put forward. But how was this event built? In other words, why did people go there? Why did you go there? I went because I had my production team with me. We wanted to get some good footage, some B-roll, because we've been covering rallies like this for years in D.C. We apply it to different projects that we're doing, and it's much, much easier and cheaper to get your own B-roll than it is to try and license someone else's. So that was basically the reason we were doing it. And we knew it was going to be a pretty historic day, probably the last time that the president was going to be speaking. And we also knew that there was a prayer rally that was going around, going walking around the Capitol the night before. So most of those people that were in town were there as part of a prayer rally. In fact, we had about 20 people coming in from California, staying with us, all producers. They're producers, directors, actors, writers. So they were doing the same thing, basically, trying to document something pretty historic and what was going on. It wasn't until about 3.30 in the afternoon when we saw that the reality we were seeing was not at all what was being reported on TV. And my little spidey senses went up immediately, thinking, uh-oh, they're going to spin this thing like crazy. The big thing is that the timeline just doesn't work. Trump started speaking an hour after he was supposed to be speaking. So they claim that the insurrection part, I'm using quote marks with my fingers, yes. started at 12.53. That was when that they had that the little battle over the bike racks. You know, we've all seen that. Mm-hmm. The problem with that is that if it was 12.53, that place was already full of people. So if you look back beyond the, where the bike racks are, where they're doing that little cute little struggle, it was all solid green grass. There's not a soul back there. And besides, you cannot put two bike racks next to each other and cover that entire sidewalk. You would need at least five back racks, the bike racks. So what were everybody else doing is kind of watching that silly struggle and walking around them. It just doesn't make any sense. And the president was still speaking at 1.15. At 1.15, you had SWAT teams up on the balconies of the Capitol on the, the Washington Monument side, shooting flashbangs into a very peaceful crowd. In fact, one of the flashbangs hit a man in the chest, and they think that's what killed him. They claimed it was a heart attack, but they were shooting flashbangs. You never heard that in that news that they were talking about. Another thing you never covered was the fact that there was no ambulances. There was no EMP. There were no sirens at all. All this is supposed to be happening in the Capitol, and there's no EMP, there's no ambulance, it doesn't make any sense. And this is between 2.30 and 3.30, dead silence. In fact, I stood in the middle of the intersection at the corner of 
Constitution and First Street, and that's basically the one of the corners of the Capitol. Right across the street is the Hart Building, and you've got the Russell Senate office buildings and stuff. I stood right in that intersection. I did a 360. Not a soul was around. This is the back of the Capitol where all hell is supposed to be breaking loose. And this was probably at about, I don't know, say 2.30. The timeline just does not work. And it's very interesting that they never, ever brought that up. They never said, okay, let's look at this timeline because they did not want the truth to come out about what happened. They were building a narrative and they will do anything they can to solidify that narrative and make the rest of us genuflect to it. And I refuse to do that. Nina May, since you were there, you were in the midst of it, and you described the prayer rally that was going on. And I know a lot of people that went. I wasn't there personally. But uh, they have described the nature of this crowd as God-fearing, respectful, patriotic, which is, again, completely the opposite of how this has been described by the mainstream media narrative. So tell us a little bit more about the people that were there and the nature of the people that you encountered. It was like a carnival. Everybody was upbeat. Everybody was happy. You're walking down the street, and it takes about 50 to 55 minutes to walk from the Capitol, well, from the Capitol to the White House, or the White House to the Capitol, because we timed it. When we parked at the Capitol, we timed how long it was going to take to walk down to the White House to hear the speech. All along the way, there and back, there was not one sign of violence. There was not one sign of anger or yelling or certainly nothing like you saw with Antifa and BLM. It was just like a regular, it could have been the 4th of July, it could have been Christmas, could have been any other time in America that we celebrate, that we all get together. People were polite. They were nice. People had little, you know, tchotchke signed, uh, little tables set up selling, you know, cute little things. Uh, remember this one guy, a, an Irish shirt on, kiss me, I'm Irish. And, and it was just a, a, a carnival type atmosphere, very fun and nothing. In fact, we were all shocked when they started the, the police unprovoked, started shooting flashbangs into the crowd. We were looking around going, why are they doing that? And no, no one in the crowd was moving. It wasn't like they were pushing forward or anything. They were just standing there. And you know what their reaction was when the flashbangs were shooting? Mm. They started saying, God bless America. Wow. And, and that was the spirit of that day was people singing, God bless America, chanting USA, even singing Amazing Grace. Mike Lindell was there. And he said, yeah, where we were, they broke out in a chorus of amazing grace. And here's the thing. Here's a telltale also. The fact that they would not have any opposing views to what their narrative was proves that they don't have a, have a story. And if they gave this um, producer in Hollywood, handpicked one producer, gave him access to the 14,000 hours of security tape, which we've been begging for, mm-hmm. we've said, please give us that tape. We will show you without a doubt what happened that day through the timeline because it's all digitally stamped. So they give this man access to all this tape. Guess what? He comes up with maybe two minutes, two minutes out of 14,000 hours that quote, and I'm using quote marks again, prove their narrative, prove their point. Well, I'm sorry it doesn't. If you go frame by frame by one of the segments, you have this, this little scrum thing happening. Scrums are easy to do. Plus, trust me, we have choreographed fights. We have shot fights. We've done it. You can have four people in a tight scrum and make it look like 500. It's so easy to do. So anyway, so you have this policeman. The back of the policeman says, uh, Capitol Hill Police. I think that was the way it went. It was either Metropolitan Police, Capitol Hill Police, on the back of his thing. Scrum, scrum, scrum. He's fought to the ground. Oh, it's horrible. He's fought to the ground. He makes his way back up, and guess what? The back of his shirt is the opposite. If it was Capitol Hill police going down, it was Metropolitan police coming back up. 
So if he had to edit it that tightly, like by frame by frame, you know that they had nothing to show. You've got nothing. Give us the 14,000 hours. My editing team in one week can show you the proof about what happened that day. And where are all the body cams? All these crying cops that were up there, where are your body cams? To show that you were surrounded by people calling you a racist. For the lady that says she was slipping in my own blood. Where's the body cam of that? And where are the pictures? That should have been person of the year on Time, the cover of Time magazine. The pile of blood of the Capitol Hill policemen. The blood they shed on the horrible day of the insurrection. Blah, blah, blah. There was no blood. If there had been blood, you'd have a police tape around it. Every news organization in the world would have led with that story. I mean, it was just one lie after another after another. No accountability. So I'm hoping that with this new Congress, they reconvene a real panel and they show the opposite side. They get evidence up there. They get witnesses up there that can show that what Liz Cheney and her dupes uh, tried to sell the American people is an absolute lie. Nina, I want to talk briefly, at least, about President Trump's speech, because he has been cited as somehow promoting violence or inciting an insurrection. Uh, Nothing could be further from the truth, but why don't you set the record straight on what he said and what he didn't say? Anyone can get a copy of the speech. It's online. And this is what we heard, and this is why we turned around 20 minutes into a speech. He said, I understand you're going to be going up to the hill. He said, you know, let your voices be known, you know, patriotically peaceful, let your voices be known. And every one of us thought we heard him say, I think I'm supposed to be going up there too. That's what we all heard. In fact, so many of us thought we heard it. We started the march back from the, the White House to the Capitol for the specific purpose of getting a good shot of where he was going to be speaking from. We really thought he was going to be going back and speaking there. And the entire discussion along the way with all the crowds going back was, okay, we think it's going to be probably the monument side of the Capitol as opposed to the Supreme Court side because they usually do their uh, the inaugural stuff there, and they'll already have the stand set up so they can do it from there. We were producing his speech, basically, mm-hmm. because we had heard that that's what he was going to do. Again, you can read what he says, but here's the problem with the, the timeline on that. Who did he incite? If it takes an hour, almost an hour, to get from the White House to the Capitol, and he had decided every single person that was there, they got there long after it was all over. The news media was not covering his speech. We could barely text. We couldn't cover. We tried to stream it so we could hear it. You could not stream it when you were there. No one could stream it. No one could see it. We're trying to text people to say, are you seeing it on TV? What is he saying? What is he saying? And they said... There's several people that had stayed home. They said they're not covering it. And a, an, a Hispanic friend of mine said only uh, one of the Spanish stations is covering it. And we said, well, well, then shoot. If no one covered it, who heard him incite a riot if no one was covering it? It wasn't on TV. It wasn't like someone sitting on their sofa and saying, oh, my gosh, the president's telling me to go down and, and attack the, the Capitol. I better get my shoes on and, you know, let's get it going down in D.C. No. He didn't do that, and he didn't say that. He didn't incite anything. And the fact that they said the breach happened at 12.53, he did not even stop speaking until 1.15. So that's like 25 minutes. The breach had already started before he'd even finished his speech. Again, the timeline is so crucial in this discussion. It's just so important. And they will refuse to look at the timeline. They refuse to release the footage. Let's talk about the breach itself, because I've seen video of gates being opened and what appear to be Capitol Police officers welcoming people in. Why are we getting such a deceptive narrative on this? Because the, the narrative they want is anything that will destroy Donald Trump. 
that's their whole goal. It has nothing to do with the truth. It doesn't even have anything to do with the, the Capitol being breached or a few windows being broken. They care, could care less. I mean, for goodness sakes, just a few weeks before that, the, the White House was almost breached. You had a church that was bombed. You had statues being torn down. They could care less about that. But what they care about is a narrative that ties a tight knot around Trump's neck and destroys him. And that's the only thing they could do is do it through lies. And that's why they're trying to silence people. They've got, what, a thousand people they've arrested or identified that were in the Capitol. What is that about? That's about terrorizing people into staying silent and not speaking the truth, not speaking what they said. And you're exactly right. We all saw that footage of the doors, the two doors open, one the, the exterior door, the other the interior door, and the Capitol Hill police welcoming people in. We know people that were in there, and the police were showing them around and pointing out paintings in the rotunda as though, you know, they're just here like tourists. So how could that be? If the, if the Capitol is under attack, how, and they all have their little walkie-talkies, how are they not getting the word, like, get everyone out right now, right now, the Capitol's under attack, it's under breach, secure the doors, secure the doors. No, they were standing around outside at 3.30 on the steps of the Senate, the Senate side of the Capitol, that's the back side where the, the Supreme Court is, just kind of standing out. Some were getting selfies with people with their Trump signs. Others were taking pictures of groups together. And we've got all that footage. It's just, it's amazing. And that's why we went back over because we could, where we were sitting behind the Supreme Court, we could see with uh, binoculars that what they were showing on TV simultaneously, it said live on TV right there was not happening. We could see it. We could see live that what they said was happening was not happening. The Shilling Show Unleashed podcast continues with Nina May in just a moment. Support this podcast online at shillingshow.com. Borderhawk.news is a one-stop shop with the latest news about immigration, nationalism, and globalism. The Borderhawk staff daily curates immigration news stories and in the fashion of the Drudge Report, updates the site with cutting-edge content and original first-class commentary. Borderhawk.news highlights national and international media reports, tweets and nuggets buried in local news blurbs, polls, video clips, and policy research. Borderhawk is pro-legal immigration, pro-rule of law, but against an unsecure border as countless Americans have suffered violence at the hands of criminal illegal aliens. And an increasing number of Americans are concerned about how mass migration affects their daily life. Borderhawk.news will remain on the forefront of the immigration issue with a buffet of info to read, evaluate, and share. Bookmark Borderhawk.news. Add them on social media at News on Twitter. Get your fix online at shillingshow.com. We continue with Nina May on the Shilling Show Unleashed podcast talking about the truth regarding January 6th. She was there. I want to go to a couple of unanswered questions. And of course, there are many we could talk for hours about. I want to go straight to Ashley Babbitt and her murder. And this has been unresolved. We know what happened. And yet there's no justice here. Why not? And what should be done? Yeah, that is a real suspicious one. This is what, what is suspicious about that one. That man that shot the footage had signed a contract that morning, several of the, the major networks, 10 in the morning, that he was, they were going to pay him a huge amount of money to get footage of the, get this, of the riot. Mm-hmm. Now, how did they know there were going to be riots at 10 that morning? How did they, did they know 
that said he was the one that was going to be in there shooting this footage. Well, he's the one that happened to get what we call the money shot. The money shot was literally him pulling his, the, the man pulling his revolver out and pushing it forward. And then the shot, he happened to have the camera on her as she falls out the window. And look at that footage very carefully. There are Capitol Hill police that are just standing around while people are trying to bust out the windows. No one is doing a thing. And then when she falls out the window, they're just kind of standing there looking at her. Like, well, she, I don't, I, was this in the script? Mm. I don't remember them saying a dead body was going to be dropping on her feet. So there's something very suspicious about that specific footage. And you hear the man who was taking it, you hear him say, we did it. We actually did it. We did what? What did they do exactly? And again, I'm not a policeman. I don't know, but I've, I've seen a few police shows. And it seems that when you have a situation where you don't know if someone is armed, you're holding the gun with two hands, pointed thrust in front of you, and you're yelling at the person to show their hands, to drop their gun, to prove that they don't, they're not armed. This was not that at all. This was a sneak attack. He slowly pushed his revolver out with one hand and then didn't call it to her, didn't say anything to her, and just shot her. And I'm thinking, okay, if that's police procedure, we're in deep trouble. Because that, then anyone could be suspicious of anything, and a policeman can get away with killing them without any consequences. So, yeah, the Ashley Babbitt thing is, is still very, very troubling. And they still will not mention that she was the only one that was murdered that day and that she was murdered by the Capitol Hill Police. They still won't say that. The evening news, and I caught uh, screen captures of all of this because I knew it would disappear, but the evening news uh, was breathless that they were attempting to kidnap and then assassinate Vice President Pence. That was the lead story on a couple of the networks, at least. Uh, That was proven to be false as well. So what happens when this information gets out? You can't take it back, and there's a lot of people who continue to believe it. Yeah, and there are a lot of us that were actually videotaping the news knowing that they were going to be showing this stuff one or two, two or three times and then it was going to disappear. So we, we did exactly that same thing because, uh, you know, you just don't trust the news media. You just, we don't trust anyone anymore. There are so many inconsistencies with this story and so many huge, huge gaping holes in it that need to be filled that I think that Congress owes it to the American people to get to the bottom of it with the facts, the real facts that really happened. Because otherwise, every single person was there, and there were almost two million, two million people there. Every one of them, for the rest of their lives, is going to have a target on their back that they were part of this fake insurrection that happened. And so, it's very important that everyone's names be cleared that was was there that day. Nothing illegal. People that were there were exercising their First Amendment rights to, you know, peacefully protest. Their First Amendment rights to gather together to have their minds heard. Their the First Amendment of free speech. So what's their point? That people can never, ever speak out against a sitting president if that president is a Democrat or whatever? I don't understand what their bottom line is other than to terrorize people. It seems to be the case, and I know a number of people who were present and uh, they're very fearful for anyone even knowing they don't want to talk publicly, at least identifying themselves as having been present that day because of this witch hunt where every single person who was even in the area as identified by electronic and credit card records is being put on trial, at least theoretically, for being a participant in an insurrection. Well, all those people that were members of the press that were getting all, were getting all that inside footage, 
lock them up too. If you've ta- taken away our First Amendment rights, you got to take away their First Amendment rights. There's no more freedom of press anymore. They should all be in jail. Their footage should be, you know, where do you stop this? This nonsense. And and they are doing this because they're scared to death that it's going to be revealed that the FBI was behind this whole thing. Everybody knows that Ray Epps, seriously, you got people sitting in jail for two years that did nothing but attend a rally, and you've got this man who's a member of the FBI and nobody even knows where he is, got off scot free. I, I mean, seriously, you've got a, a set of double standards in the legal it, 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 with the law, and that means that no one's going to believe the law anymore. You're you're creating anarchy by not having at least the Constitution to back you up, and, and they've shredded the Constitution on this one. Indeed, they have. I'd like to go to the uh, January 6th political prisoners that are being held essentially in gulag-like conditions. Have you been able to contact any of them, or are you aware of any of the individual stories? Because what I've heard is horrifying. Julie Kelly is the one that's been covering that, and she's amazing. And we've had conversations about that, about what she's seen and what these people are going through. And it is horrifying, absolutely horrifying. It's worse than anything you've ever heard in a third world country or a communist country, a dictatorship. All of these people in the D.C. jail and the D.C. Uh, legal system, they need to be held accountable for what they're doing. I mean, these people are be- begging to be sent to Gitmo. Like, please, just ship me off to Gitmo. I'll get better treatment over there. It, it, it is very sad. It's a black eye in American judicial system. What we're also seeing, which which is another black eye and is so concerning in all this, is that they're essentially making them produce forced confessions, signing documents, re-education, uh, and they're getting uh, so-called defense attorneys who won't serve them unless they have changed their political viewpoints. I mean, th- this is distressing oh, yeah. beyond belief. Yeah, all of their rights are totally being denied. I mean, due process is out the window. No, nobody cares about that. And this is one of the reasons they, they will not bring them to trial, because they have to show the evidence. And in showing the evidence, it's going to prove that they did nothing wrong, and that the narrative that the, the left has built is full of holes. So that's why they're not bringing them to trial. They're scared to death of what the evidence is. I want to go to the big picture here and ask you, it's obvious probably to most of our listeners, but what is the fear of Donald Trump and his supporters and their agenda for America? Because they're pro-America because they believe in the free market system. They're anti-communist, anti-Marxist. They believe in individual liberty and individual freedom. And these people that are trying to destroy this country don't. They really do believe in this one world government, this um, new world order, no boundaries, no borders, no currency. This is what they're setting up. The biggest opposition they have in America to actually creating this new world order portion of America is the fact that we have the Second Amendment. And this is the only thing that's keeping them from turning us into Cuba or North Korea or you name it. You mentioned the Second Amendment, which I'm sure is next on their agenda, and you stated that the First Amendment has basically been eviscerated. So how is it that we're going to protect the Second Amendment and really all of our rights going forward because they have struck fear, as you referenced, in, uh, in Patriots for even gathering to protest? It's a head-scratcher because... Um, you know, no one wants to talk about what a horrible outcome would be if, if the nation was divided on this issue. I mean, no one wants to talk about that. But we've had a civil war before in this country, and it was over the issue of slavery. And ironically, discussion of civil war is, a, is about freedom versus oppression. They want us to be oppressed by the state, and we want to be free. It's the way the Constitution declares that we should be. 
I'm curious as to whether you personally, because obviously you were there, you have footage of it, have, have faced any pressure or any sort of threats from any government agents? And if so, what did you do about it? And if not, are you concerned about that? No, because what we did that night is I came back and I downloaded all the footage. I sent it out to many, many sources. So it's all over the country. I put together a 15-minute video from my perspective of what happened that day. And I, I really actually did it because I wanted to make sure I had all the details and I remembered everything the way it happened. And so when I read it, I, it was kind of my article. I do a, a, a column about once a week. That's what it was going to be. And then I read it and I thought, well, shoot, this could be the narrative of a very quick video. So I put together a 15-minute piece using my, my narrative and then using the footage of what I had taken that day to prove what the narrative was. So that's been available to tens of thousands of people have seen that. I mean, and my point is, listen, if the FBI wants my footage, I'll be glad to give up my footage. I'll give it to anybody that wants it. I'm not trying to hide anything. If anything, I want to get the truth out there. But if they get it, I really do hope they would do something with it and apply it to a case that could help defend some innocent people that are being persecuted right now. Finally, Nina, what should we do going forward and how can we protect ourselves? Because we're in a very precarious situation. Well, the most important thing is to, to elect people that believe like you do. And that, because that's what we're seeing now. We're seeing these people take the oath of office. The minute they get in, they just, you know, they throw it away. I mean, protecting our country against um, enemies, foreign and domestic. No, they're thinking that we're domestic terrorists. No, protect ourselves against people coming over the border. They're foreign and we have no idea who we are if they mean us to harm or not. So they've already violated their oath of office just with that one issue. There are a lot of other issues they violated their oath of office. So elect people that believe like you do and are going to protect and defend your freedom. Nina, if people want to see the video that you produced or follow your other work online because you're really involved in a lot of these issues, tell us how we can find you. You can go to renaissancewomenproductions.com and just contact us through there. I hope people will take advantage of the opportunity because the truth needs to be told. Nina May, thank you so much for joining us today on the Schilling Show Unleashed podcast. You bet. Thanks for having me. Bless y'all. That concludes another edition of the Schilling Show Unleashed podcast. Visit us online at shillingshow.com where you can directly support this podcast by clicking on the Patreon banner at the top of the page and making a monthly donation. Your support is essential for the continuation of the Shilling Show Unleashed podcast. Until next time.